Hey, it's Greg, host of Sets and Reps, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode. This is 45, and I have with me my mom and my dad on the show. Yes, it finally happened. I did talk about it a while ago on my Instagram, and seeing as how they recently relocated from New Hampshire to South Carolina, my idea was to get them on the show and have a live conversation with them before they left. But as it turned out, that's not quite the way that things rolled. So, you know, now three-ish months later, uh, we were able to get a Zoom conversation going with them and uh, and got them on there. So it's, it's really great to have them. We started off just by talking about, you know, their lives and what they've been doing down there, what it's like living so close to the beach versus living in all these green trees that are around us in New Hampshire here. And we took our conversation to a few various places, one of which was uh, how their careers had changed as well. My father is uh, has had several jobs involving paramedic ambulance work, uh, starting as an EMT and then working his way up to become a paramedic. Uh, for a, a couple different cities, as well as now beca- being a uh, paramedic on call at an urgent care. My mother has been a preschool teacher, uh, a women's fitness fit, uh, technician from an old company called Curves, and also a licensed massage therapist, which was very interesting as well. And the two of them have been married for 40 years. I'm the youngest of the family, and I asked them a few questions about some things that they had in place as parents for when I was younger, and I asked them about why they took a particular route when it came to raising me a certain way. We, of course, uh, briefly touched on the tragic uh, happenings that took place and with the loss of my sister, Anna. And I used it as an opportunity to ask them about grief and how seeing as how that's really, really uh, shocking and terrible thing for anybody to go through, having gone through it, not necessarily totally recovered, but having to live with it and live in her honor uh, these days following that time, I asked them how they feel uh, grief should be handled and what the what are some things that you shouldn't do when it comes to the grieving process and what are some general uh, thoughts that they had on the matter and finally we talked about advice for people in relationships or getting married uh, getting into new relationships what living with each other for 40 years how to be successful in that kind of long-term situation being with another person. So I'm really excited again to have my parents on the show and I'm excited for you guys to meet them. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Without further ado, here it is. I knew I was going to have you guys on eventually. Uh, I was thinking about episode 50, but episode 45 is as good as any. Um, This is my parents, Kin and Maureen Gdanyan, and I want to begin today uh, 
by just saying hello to you guys and uh, seeing how you're doing down there in South Carolina. Hello, Greg. Greg, you're looking mighty fine, son. Uh huh. <laughs> it's good to it's good to see you, and it's good to be um, one of your interviewees. My honored guests. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Uh, nice strong opener there. I, I'm feeling mighty fine. My coffee is coming down. As it's is like, my green tea. Yeah, I had some tea this morning as well. I had two cups of tea. So you guys were in Milford, New Hampshire for, I want to say 20 plus years because I'm 23 and I'm your last kid and uh, kid before me, my brother, who was born in 1989. You guys moved to Milford uh, right when he was born or before he was born, right? right. That's true. Yeah. New Hampshire. So everyone that I talk to about you guys, when I say like, oh, my parents moved down to South Carolina, um, they're both in their 60s. Like, it's a pretty big move for people who have been in one place for a long time. And I always Mm -hmm. talk about how impressed I am with that, how you guys were able to make such a a big adjustment in your life um, and uh, and head on down there. So it's been it's been pretty cool how, how I got a chance to visit you guys. Uh, recently over the holidays for Christmas and I stayed for about a week um, and so it was really cool to see that part of the state since I uh, you know haven't been too far outside of here in a while so before I get to know you guys a little bit and have my listeners get to know you guys better how would you say that your stay in South Carolina has been meeting your expectations or superseding them so far? Mm. Well, on a side note, I want to say there's always plenty of room for you to come back and visit again. Okay, that's good. And, uh, Appreciate that. But I, I feel like we're doing well. Right now, I know you guys have lots of snow there, but we're looking out our back door, and the sun is shining beautifully, and it's kind of creeping into the 50s today. And I have a day off, so you can't get any better than that. <laughs> And we started it this morning with a walk on the beach. We took the dog and, mm. you know, we, we sure couldn't do that um, from where we were in mm. New Hampshire. That was really a fun thing. And no dolphins to greet us this morning, but often there are pods of dolphins out there that are just jumping out of the water and having a good time. And I, I just appreciate having the ocean and the beach so close. So I would say that has... Um, exceeded my expectations just how much joy and satisfaction it gives me just to be on the beach and just to get outside more like just to be able to enjoy it um the sun seems to shine a lot more here too i don't know why that is but it it is and it just draws me out for my walks uh on a daily basis and it's really satisfying so i would say that's that's a great um a great expectation, you know, exceeding my expectations. However, um, on another note, I feel part of the challenge of moving out here is just not being close as I was a five minute mm. car ride, even a, a 20, 25 minute walk to uh, Josiah's house in Chelsea's and to be with the grandchildren and to have you there in the home with us, obviously that's a huge adjustment because you're, you're the, the, your person, the dynamics that you bring into our lives 
is very missed. The spice. Here, here. Here, you know. I was going to say one other dynamic is I believe we're uh, developing some really good friendships within the church family mm -hmm. here that we're connected to and also in our neighborhood. Mm. So, uh, yes. yeah, that's yeah. important. You want to avoid, um, you know, isolation and just like, you know, trying to get as much energy from the people around you and, you know, right. me meeting new people is always a good thing, especially if you're yeah. in a new environment like that. Totally. And, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it really was a, a tough, um, when you leave an area that you've been in for like, like, as you say, it's, it's been 33 years. Cause ex when, when Josiah was born, uh, in July, we moved in August and it was a, a big uh, transition at that time. And it wasn't an easy transition, but we did it. You know, we were mm -hmm. uprooted and then we were transplanted and it took a while, like, just like it does for the roots to just kind of get, you know, foundation in that dirt and to get the nutrition, the nutrients from that area and then to branch out and to, to grow, to flourish. And we, we did, we did there, you know, we, we have a network of beautiful people and church that we were strongly connected to. Um, and then of course, family, as I already mentioned. Um, so it wasn't, it, it wasn't easy to say goodbye to those people that I, I saw on a daily basis, even my neighbors. And the, the fun note is that I still get text messages and, and cards from my neighbors you know, on Oak mm. street. And mm. so I feel like I'm still connected, you know, mm. in that way, uh, send them pictures, the little snowfall we got the other day, I sent my pictures out to people. And mm. so, um, so obviously being here, um, we just, we just got to know on my walks, I say hi to people and I just mm. connect with people. And if there's any, um, you know, any interest and we just kind of, get together one like I have one friend that we do walks I do daily walks we go to the beach together we just do a lot of fun things together mm. and it's it's really good that way uh, it fulfills a need in her to have some friends in this area because she's also a new transplant here it's interesting you said transplant because it seems like a lot of people in that area around you you guys mentioned this when I came to visit but it's not quite a place where there's like a lot of native people versus people who have moved from different areas to come and make a life, which is cool that you guys are uh, kindred in a way to those types of people around you. Exactly. And uh, when I, where, where I work at the urgent care uh, and all the patients that come in, uh, they all have deep accents from different parts of the country. So it I can always recognize those accents yeah especially New York accents. And then it generates a lot of good conversation Yeah, as I'm doing my task uh, in the urgent care. So you worked, you worked at an urgent care in this area of New Hampshire before you moved down to South Carolina. Can you talk to me about when, when it was that you started in the field of medicine that you're in now and how it kind of, briefly how it kind of led you to the, the point that you're at. Okay. Well, I, I started as an EMT basic in 2006 there in Milford with Mil volunteering with the Milford ambulance. 
then uh, eventually I became a paramedic in 2011 there in uh, New Hampshire and resigned from being the pastor in 2009. And I had been the pastor there for uh, 20 years at Light of the World in Milford. And then I had, uh, I worked as a paramedic in Manchester with American Medical Response. And so uh, in 2000, like just last year, I had a stroke in 2000, um, last year, <laughs> November of last year, that would be 2021. And I was not able to get back onto the ambulance anymore. And so I transitioned to uh, the urgent care right there at the Milford Medical Center. And then uh, as, I, as I knew we were moving here and on one of our visits, I was able to tour the urgent care, which is literally less than a mile away. And uh, as a matter of fact, we get to walk every morning when I go to work with uh, not only my wife, but also our dog. We walk and then uh, mommy comes and meets me halfway and then we walk back home. Uh, and so I was able to take a tour of the facility. And when I came down, I had a face-to-face -face interview and was offered a job. And so that's how the transition took place. It's very much different than being on an ambulance, um, but it's good. It's good for me. And I'm very happy. Mom, I know you've, you've, had, uh, you've had various different uh, roles and different jobs that you've worked through your life. Uh, you've been hardworking woman, supportive as well, and helping um, raise, uh, you know, doing doing the brunt work of raising me, raising my four siblings. Can you share briefly uh, of how a little bit about how your career uh, transition took place? You were a school teacher, right? Too. That was more than five or six years ago. Yeah, actually, that's right. Um, uh, right at that time. I also I had a part-time job at Curves, and then I, I was a preschool teacher mm -hmm. for two years. And then after I left teaching, I went into just more um, full-time at Curves. And that was about, I want to say, 2003, 2003. And I stayed there for, um, I don't know, I want to say... I want to say at least, I, I want to say like 10 years, almost six years, somewhere, I guess around, I'm not really sure of the time, but the, the good part of that is I got, I got really fit. I got, um, I lost about 50 pounds, uh, which I, I kind of credit you to that, Greg, because when you were about two years old, I thought, oh, I, I really have to sustain my, my energy level. I really have to be able to chase this little two-year-old around. <laughs> and how on earth am I going to do that if I'm not in shape? And I was like 50 pounds, like overweight. I was 180. Mm -hmm. And um, I said, I need to do something about that. And around the same time, then you were, I think, Lucy got married, uh, your oldest sister, uh, and was it 2003? 2003 yeah. and you were in four. fact four and in her wedding um, at that time you were the of course you were the probably not the youngest ring bearer but close 
Mm. to the youngest. So I wanted to also be in shape for that. And so I lost 50 pounds and I shaped, I shaped up really so to the point where some of the women at, at Curves would say, I want arms like you. And here I was like in my 40s, 45 or, um, and you know, it was great because I had never, I had lost my shape after five children, you know, and I really didn't work hard. I didn't really give time and effort to that part of my life. Um, but then when you came along, I did. And I thought that was kind of interesting because here you are, you know, in the field of fitness. And uh, I think um, you, you affected and influenced me unbeknown to you at such a young age. <laughs> and I'm sitting here confirming that she sure did shape up. Yeah. <laughs> Losing 50 pounds is a lot, and I think a lot of people that would would uh, would be very impressed by that, especially at 45. Um, so, yeah. what? How would you say you kept your lifestyle in check? What kind of what kind of habits did you practice? Um, can you also explain what curves is slash was, uh, and mm-hmm. how that how that might have played a role for you? Because I know you worked there, but people may not know what it what the place actually was. Right. Curves is a fitness center gym for specifically for women. Um, it's a circuit workout, which deals with every part of the woman's body, you know, for, for fitness and, uh, you know, and it still is definitely out there going strong in certain areas, obviously not as big of a fat as it was, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I, I accredit that to some extent, it can't kind of came in right right in August, actually, of 2003. And it stayed for, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say about 13 years or so. My friend Sherelle was running that, um, that curve. So she hired me uh, after I visited the gym a few times. Uh, we became friends and she said, hey, I'd like to hire you as a fitness technician. And so she did. And um, just doing that circuit as much as I did, uh, I started to run. Um, I was very, I started to be concerned about cutting back on my carbs, uh, just really focusing more on, on, uh, my, my vegetables and my fruit and really cutting way back on the, on the pastas and the breads and such. And honestly, um, when I regarded the, the benefits, when I started to see my body be transformed and my strength. Uh, come and I was just I had so much more energy and I saw how beneficial it was for other people just to see that in me Mm. Um, just to see uh, like my example and how how much influence it had on them and I I can't tell you how many women that had come to me and wanted to hear my story and wanted to know how I could help them uh, be successful and all you could do is give what you have get Mm. what's worked for you so uh, I was so grateful that I took off that weight and I actually kept it off for quite, quite a few years. And, you know, um, we're not exempt uh, to, as you laid those bad habits down, I had habits to be um, reckoned with, dealt with about around food preparation. You know, you can't just eat slipped in foods that you're preparing. You just have to be disciplined. You know, you have certain time where you eat you might allow yourself a snack but you don't eat outside of those times or you don't just mindlessly just put things in your mouth you 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 have to be careful of the habits around food and 
food prep for me. Uh, for me, it was how much, you know, obviously you, you control how much you eat uh, at a sitting and, you know, you keep in mind, I'm not going to eat uh, for that 180 pound woman that I was. I'm not going to eat that way anymore, you know. Mm -hmm. So and then, of course, being active. I still um, hold fast to being active. You have to be you, you've got to move. You've got to move. And I'm in the process of I, I walk six miles a day, pretty much five to six miles every day. Um, I do have an exercise bike that's sitting right here in the living room that I get on and I, I work with that. And I have other things I'm going to uh, reintroduce because um, mm. I feel it's important to maintain strength, Absolutely. Uh, especially as we age. Like, you know, we're in our 60s. The natural thing to do is to lose that muscle tone. So mm. we have to be pretty intentional to keep mm. it, to keep strong. And that's what I want to do. And I, I hope that that's what... Ken wants to do too because we'd like to do that together. That would yeah. be very. It's it's always better together. Yeah, I didn't mention really quick that I I since 2009, to uh, I was uh, a massage therapist, mm -hmm. which was also a very important part of my life. Um, but when I transitioned here, that was one thing I wasn't sure I was going to bring with me. So consequently, I left all of my my my. A table and equipment back uh, in New Hampshire, and I just don't know um, if I'm gonna if I'm going to reestablish a business here. That's still up in the air. There was something that you said that was pretty interesting: not eating how that 180 pound woman was. And um, yeah. I've talked to <clears throat> people on this show before about like having a vision for who you want to be versus who you are now you almost have to reframe and start living and start acting like uh you know the 150 or the 160 pound person yes. that you want to be and start doing yeah. habit doing habits and living like that person would versus who you are now uh do you think that do you think you had thoughts like that and you kind of used that at all to keep you motivated and keep you on point to Make it yes. like just a lifestyle. Yes. Um, I knew that. And as I remember, I know dad also, he just did. He just did what he knew he had to do. And he knew he was going to naturally be become the weight that his body was supposed to be. You know, he just ate right. He just, you know, did, did his exercise and such. And, and in fact, he did. And the same with me. As I watched him, I told you about him first because he was my example. He started to lose the weight before I did even. Um, so I I felt like I didn't want to be that person. I had a picture of me in a bathing suit at 180 pounds at a um, church function. And it was up on a wall, um, just displayed, you know, just like one of our family uh, church picnics there at the lake and I saw it and I was I was mortified I thought <laughs> oh that's me and mm -hmm. I didn't and I just thought what am I going to do this is ridiculous you know so I did I just I took that I ripped that right off the wall and I and uh, that was about the same time like it all kind of everything went into place mm -hmm. um, the curves came into uh, Milford uh, you, my son, 
required a lot more energy than I had. I mean, I, I was, when I went to the doctor, they told me that I had a high cholesterol. Mm. I needed to be concerned about that and, and to get a diet that would change that up. I had sugar. I was borderline diabetic. Uh, I could not walk up a, a flight of stairs which, you know, we have to two flights. We have my the basement stairs and then the upstairs to the bedrooms. And mm-hmm. I was huffing and puffing every time I'd have to climb those stairs. So I had a lot uh, of reasons, a lot of good reasons to change. Mm-hmm. So that I kept in my mind. And, you know, I was really pleasantly surprised to see as I worked out, you know, work those areas on the circuit and such. And as I ate right, it just kind of all did fall into place as mm-hmm. I believe it will. Again, as I've gained some of those, it's hard when you enter into a different season of life, you'll find, I think a lot of your clients will tell you when you're in your fifties and sixties, it's harder to deal with those pounds um, that you have uh, collected. You have to somehow find a way to, you know, to get rid of them. It's a Deep bit, it's, it's a, yeah, yeah it's a bit of a challenge. So I am in the midst of it and I'm, and I'm up again for the challenge to just um, lose a few more pounds and to be stronger. Mm -hmm. So I did have, I, I, I think that goal in my mind to be, you know, more fit. I mean, gosh, I was a, I was a 16 and I went down to a six size six. (laughs) Wow. I love that. Any woman would love that to be in a size six. Oh my gosh. You see it happening around you. The results keep makes you want more. It's pretty addicting. Mm-hmm. Dad, That's for sure. You want to speak on your, uh, on, on your weight loss progress and the successes that you've had and uh, maybe about some of the physical impedances that, that you've been uh, having. I know you had a couple of hips replaced and you were doing physical therapy like before the stroke had come along. And you were doing PT again. Yeah. Well, weight has always been a problem for me right from childhood. My mother used to tell me that uh, you're not fat. She said you're husky. (laughs) And so uh, that just kept me eating and eating. And I have stories (laughs) which I won't tell about how much I ate as a child. Uh, But I did end up uh, losing weight prior to getting married uh, and at, at, at the time that I was married, I was 150 pounds and over time, uh, increased up to over 220. And so I, uh, was very convicted about that and, um, knew that I needed to make a change. And I think that was in about, that was 2001, maybe. Uh, and actually your sister, Anna helped me, uh, to develop an acronym, uh, with the words, uh, with the word devoted. And it helped me stay very, very focused on on the Lord helping me and on, um, eating the right things, getting rid of habits, uh, getting enough exercise, transitioning to more of a Mediterranean style diet and making sure that I drank plenty of water and also uh, got exercise to uh, strengthen and stretch and, um, you know, elevate. Pilates. Pilates Pilates I did. Mm -hmm. And so then I ended up 
at least getting down to the 200 zone. Uh, actually, with that devoted plan, I got back down to 175. And then uh, because of my own uh, disobedience, kind of worked my way back up again over 200 pounds. And then the uh, stroke took place. And it was my goal to at least break 200 before we moved. Uh, but I didn't meet that goal. And so, but once we are down here, uh, I did break the 200. And now I'm up mm. in like 176, 196, wow. 197. Good for you. And, uh, uh, you know, I have to, uh, again, uh, thank the Lord and thank my wife because she has been a coach and I kind of submitted myself to her and it's not always an easy process uh, to submit yourself <laughs> to someone else or what they think you should be eating. But it seems like pretty much every meal um, she's preparing and she's uh, guiding. And so that's what I'm, um, you know, attributing this most re recent weight loss. Uh, my schedule doesn't always afford it, but we're always trying to get at least a walk in and occasionally and reluctantly I do the exercise bike that's here. And, mm. uh, I do have a Pilates app on my phone, but I got to tell you, I haven't really opened it recently. <laughs> <laughs> What's that devoted acronym before we keep going? What does that stand for? So D says, devo uh, devoted to God and obedient to his will. E is eliminating unhealthy foods and unhealthy eating uh, habits. Uh, v is vegetables and fruit as a primary focus for a Mediterranean diet. O is one helping mm. as a guideline for portions. Uh, e is exercise. No. Um, T. T. T is take at least eight eight ounce glasses of water every day, and then E is exercise daily, and then uh, <clears throat> D is dependence on God. So it's, so it's kind of like a sandwich <laughs> with God on either end and a lot mm -hmm. of good work in the middle. You're talking about having that app on your phone and, uh, and not necessarily using it. And I think that's something a lot of people struggle with is, you know, mm -hmm. ha having the intention and having the, uh, the right idea when they want to do something, but the action isn't necessarily there to to make it a part of a part of a, a lifestyle and uh it seems like there's a lot of things for both of you that you were able to make part of uh, your lifestyle so um you know i would encourage you to to open that up and start start working on that but what what are some ideas that you have uh of of ways that you could incorporate that in i mean you you downloaded it so i know you want to <laughs> i know you want to do it i know you don't want I know you don't want it to just take up space on your phone. <laughs> That's right. 
But many times I have been tempted to uninstall that app, but I have <laughs> That's step number one. <laughs> and uh, I just got to do it. My work schedule um, doesn't always afford me uh, to be up in time. But to be honest with you, I, I usually am not having to get out to work until 8, uh, 25 so there mm. really is plenty of time i just have yeah. to change my attitude and i have to really get to it yeah yeah attitude is a huge thing it gets in our way a lot because yes it does you could be having a great day but then all of a sudden just your attitude about one particular thing can just kind of set you off mm -hmm. and turn around so mm -hmm. hold on to the good attitudes and try not to try not to let uh, one headspace or another change what you do try to just follow through with the intention and then keep making decisions and choices that are going to lead you to putting that in because you definitely you definitely got time in the morning i bet you could even set an alarm <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it <laughs> and so also uh i found when i was up over 200 mm. that some of those pilates exercises are pretty big when you got a lot of weight you're moving around yeah and so i think maybe trying them out again um mm -hmm. uh you know with that yeah uh may you know loss of the belly mm -hmm. is going to yes, help definitely what so about we'll have to, i'll have to give you a report on how it goes mm -hmm. for sure what about hiring a professional to work with you like a personal trainer well, we uh, were actually in follow-up from the Christmas gift that I gave to mom. Uh, Which was? Gonna, well, it was going to be the fitness center that you, me, and Joe went and toured. And we also went to uh, Planet Fitness the other day to check out what they have. And so when she gets back from um, New Hampshire, which she's leaving next week, to come up there for Chelsea's uh, birth of Chelsea's baby. She'll be there for a couple of weeks. When she comes back, we're probably going to follow up in either one of those gyms uh, and get memberships for the two of us and start working. Uh, and they, they have options for personal training as well as mm -hmm. part of it. Good. Talk yeah. to Yeah. You should definitely talk to someone um, and maybe get someone set up to work with the both of you. Um, that would be really beneficial speaking as a trainer myself, yes. but um, I wanted to talk a little bit about some thoughts that I was having the other day about, you know, certain things in, in my childhood and being with you guys and uh, you guys having raised me and having dealt with me uh, for about 21 ish years, um, 22 Specifically, I was thinking about money and how, in a way, you guys uh, prepared me to be able to make decent choices when it comes to finances. A um, couple things that came to mind was the fact that I never got an allowance as a kid. Um, a lot of a lot of people, when I was growing up, uh, would talk about getting an allowance and. Uh, to my understanding, that's just parents kind of giving children money um, here and there, whether 
you know, it for was chores. like incentive to do this, not yeah, for chores or or if it was just all together whenever they felt like it. Um, I never got an allowance, but I remember just being able to go with you, Dad. You, uh, one thing we didn't really talk about is that you had a reupholstery business. Uh, so I would work with you um, when I was very young, probably about 10 or 11. And uh, you would pay me like five bucks an hour to, to kind of work with you. And that was a really cool replacement for having an allowance um, or, mm-hmm. or I feel like a better alternative uh, to that. Is there any particular reason why you guys as parents, I guess, didn't follow along with that, like, societal uh, obligation, if you will, to, to you know, give your kids money without necessarily earning and, and working for it. Because now I feel like I don't really uh, have much of a desire to have anything given to me for free. I think working for stuff is really valuable. Working for what you want is valuable. So I, I attribute that to you. So is there any reason why you guys didn't really follow along with the rest of the pack? First, I want to ask, is that all I gave you? Five dollars an hour? <laughs> it might have gone up a little bit with inflation. <laughs> over time and over age. And with my increasing responsibilities, I, I went from just giving you tools and stuff to actually working on the product. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I think that. I know that I never wanted to have for myself kind of a a victim attitude. Like I feel like people owe me. Mm -hmm. So I felt like throughout my life, especially from my young adult years that uh, there was plenty that I had to do uh, to work hard. And I think that just transferred over into the raising of our children by not giving an allowance and still expecting chores to be done, but not necessarily getting paid for it. And I also remember that you, along with all our children, we had them do their own laundry at a very, very early age. Mm. And you were very good at that. Uh, so that's that's kind of part of it, just working uh, working hard for what it is uh, that you, you get. And making my own lunches, too. I made that. You guys did make me lunches sometimes, like when I wouldn't get up in time or I wouldn't have enough time to it. But I do remember like starting to make lunches at an early age. So. Yeah, and we used to stick a little note of encouragement inside your lunches. I do want notice one thing about you. Uh, I listed a few things, but I always saw you as a superhero. Because <laughs> if you look at some of your childhood pictures, which I think I left in that black filing uh, cabinet. You always had a cape on and you. <laughs> no, actually you, you could make anything I... you find, anything you found into a, a costume and you were just amazing like that. And you, this little sparkle in your eye as a four-year-old with a crazy hat on or a towel, maybe that was your cape or anything you found, you know, it just, it was just. And the muscles you would show. Yeah. <laughs> you were just, it, you, were, you were not only entertaining and fun, uh, but you were also very creative. 
Mm. And, um, and you always were um, very much so, as well as, as you uh, and your schooling years, uh, you also um, showed your vocabulary was always amazing, always ahead of, your, of yourself with um, your words. And I remember here you are in grade school and I'm, and I'm asking you, Greg, how do you spell that? What is that? And uh, you, were, you were my reference. So I don't know, maybe that's encouraging for you, but it doesn't make me look so good either. But so, and I always, um, and you're, I just feel like you were very, very creative in, in multiple ways. Another way is uh, when you made your booklets, when you did those comic, yeah. like these comic uh, type of, of figures. Mm -hmm. Also, um, what is it, anime? <laughs> yeah. What's the, yeah. Name? What's the name of the characters that you used to? Yeah, anime like? is... Jap yeah, it's the art style that I would like to draw in yes, from time to time. Yes. yes. Yeah, I, and, I, I think we have saved oh, we have in those all. shelvings behind you we have them. a box of about 150 different little comic books that you put together. Yes. Up way back by the oil tank <laughs> where oh. the photos are. Ah, the burn pile. But yeah. I will I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just no. kidding. No, I, I have to tell you. <laughs> For, for all of the downsizing we had to do, okay, you know, downsizing. You like that? Time, there were certain <laughs> things I will never let go of, and I said, yeah. we're keeping the booklets. No, I might um, go through it. I might pick through it. You took, you took the time and effort to create those growing up. You found pleasure uh, and outlets in that, um, and I, I loved that. I loved that. You were... Um, different in 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 the sense that you kind of were uh, uh an only child with siblings i don't know for you you kind of had both worlds because you had older siblings and yet you had the relationship that an only child would have to adults mm. and you you never had any problem uh interacting and relating to to us, although mm -hmm. you did have a, a strong desire, which was naturally there because you didn't have um, a lot of younger uh, siblings your age or close to closer to your age. The next one up was like 10 years. So mm -hmm. even though you had, you know, your brother Josiah um, and, and, you know, Anna and Naomi and Lucy, they were all significantly older. Mm. So you um, needed to, and I was attentive to the idea that you needed to have friends to, to have um, and interact with and do things with. And I, w I also wanted to say, uh, you know, when our uh, beautiful daughter Anna passed away that night, you were right there with us mm. and you were standing strong with us and you were very much a support during that very, 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 difficult time mm. Mm. and i thank you yes well interesting yeah you're welcome that dad, dad brought it brought anna up i of course she's she's always here she's always there in the depths of my heart and every day is a day that i think of her in multiple ways and sometimes i could smile and say i love you anna and and be perfectly content and and with that. And then other days I'm 
saddened by the ongoing gnawing feeling that she's not here anymore and she's not that connected as she was when she was with us. But I have to also say that our movement, our moving here, um, you know, for me, it was, it was sparked. Um, Anna was going to, at the time grandma lived with us, um, daddy's mom, and Anna was going to come and stay with her so we can come and have um, a vacation in Myrtle Beach. We had set it for Myrtle Beach. Mm -hmm. And then it was going to happen in August. Mm. Anna passed um, in July of 2018. And so that never happened. And of course, we weren't really interested in going on any vacation uh, as the we were grief struck and mm. having a very, very difficult time. And I reiterate with dad I, that you were such a support for me. I don't I don't know. Um, I don't know how you you actually did that, except I think your resilience in your age. But you I, as a mom that was just in such grief. Having you by my side, Greg, I don't think I ever told you this meant so much to me, so much to me. Mm. Yeah. There. And I know it was, I know it was difficult for you and created a lot of, of, um, I'm sure as it grief has uh, a very strong effect and it needs to be released. Um, and it needs to be dealt with and it's dealt mm. with differently for everybody because we're all very different. Yeah. Having, uh, having gone through that, like as a family, yeah. uh, the unthinkable I've talked about her briefly on this podcast before, just like, you know, sharing a little bit about mm -hmm. what happened that night and then what happened after with, with my personal experience. But what do you guys feel with having gone through your own version of the grieving process? you probably didn't know what to do at first. You probably didn't know how to think or act. Uh, but looking back on it now, what would you say is the most important thing to do in a situation like that? Okay. That's a good question. Maybe we, maybe we should, maybe we should talk about what not to do first. Right. Well, I think first of all, you know, I have to say community, I think the support um, that we had, um, I have to say that, you know, I could, I could pray and I could cry out to God and, and feel in a sense, um, still so, uh, full of heartache, so full of, of grief and anguish. And yet I, I couldn't help but acknowledge that people, uh, were there representing God's love and, and support. I mean, you know, the prayers and the people that even when they didn't know what to say or do, but they were there. Um, I would say that, that the prayers and the people that, that came to the home, uh, I would say that people that also went through it themselves. I had women, moms call me that have lost uh, kind of vet, veterans, if you will, that have lost children that have reached out to me, even to uh, one of my children and said, would your mom appreciate a call from me? Uh, a dear, dear woman who lost her daughter, I want to say it's been 
it's probably been 12 years. She reached out to me. She visited me. She allowed me just to, to cry and to, to do what I needed to, to express what was going on. And, you know, um, she read a book to me. It was called Tear Soup. And it was like a book that you could read. It could be a child's book, but it was also something that really spoke to you as an adult going through that grieving process. Just a woman just crying and just going through the process of, of feeling what she felt every day and working it through. And then her husband, who was feeling it in his own way, um, you know, and some of the friends that came in that had helpful things to say and some of the friends that didn't, didn't necessarily um, weren't as, as helpful as maybe they were hoping to be because they don't know. But you understand. I know. I didn't, I didn't understand that. But so I would say the support of people. Um, I wasn't one to isolate myself, although I needed time alone to just just to cry and to, you know, feel that that devastating loss that mm. there is no replacement for. You can mm. replace a lot of things that you lose in life. You can't replace a child. Mm. You can't replace the missing piece. But you you go on and you honor her life or his life. And you live out your life in the moment. It helps me to live in the moment and to tell my loved ones how much I love them and to appreciate. I feel like I appreciate so much more. You know, even coming here, there was a restlessness that was birthed in me when she, when she passed. And that restlessness seemed to be tended to mm. uh, when I thought of the idea of you know, having a, a place to escape, if you will. I don't like the word escape because you don't ever escape <laughs> that kind of thing. But it was a change of scenery. It was a place where we can enjoy spring and summer more mm -hmm. and get out more and enjoy uh, the beauty of God's creation here in South Carolina. And I think it was just a healthy change for me at that time in life. Um, I didn't know it was going to be a permanent change as it seems to be now, although I, you never know, mm. but we're here now. And um, mm -hmm. so she has been part of that process here because we didn't, uh, we never did get that Myrtle beach uh, vacation, but we came here mm -hmm. and we checked it out because we wanted to see what it had for us. And we ended up finding a home here. So it's perfect. When, when you say what not to do, yeah, I would say the most important thing is to not to, let's see, I don't want to say double negatives, mm. but to make sure you don't hinder the process. Mm. And I'm thinking uh, about something that Jesus said in the Beatitudes. He said that God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. So that's a strategy. That's that's a promise that it's okay to mourn. Mm. It's okay to grieve. And uh, if you look at the uh, etymology of the word mourn and grieve, it literally means coming, ab coming apart at the seams. Mm. Uh, and it's okay for that to happen. And other people might come along and say, oh, you'll get over it. And they'll pat you on the shoulder. 
but you really don't ever get over it. You will uh, forget about it. It's time to move on. Mm. But I don't think anybody should really listen to those pieces of advice uh, because it's always there in your heart and it's a process and it may be different as time goes on, you know, from that first night that we understood that she passed away till now, there's definitely been a change in our hearts. And, you know, last yesterday was Anna's birthday. And so we went to dinner, mommy and I, uh, to kind of celebrate, if you will, or to just acknowledge and have a nice time at a restaurant and uh, an Italian restaurant, by the way. Mm -hmm. And so it was a, it was a good meal. It was a good time of fellowship for mommy and I, and mm -hmm. uh, a good time to honor, honor Anna's memory. Yeah. Good. And I, I have to point out too, that I can tell that I am uh, transitioning um, because it was very difficult when I look at her picture every day and I would think of her and it would always cause a, a deep sadness and I'd always have to kind of pick myself up again or just say, God, help me. I'm really having a hard time. But now I'm starting to be able to get to the place where I can celebrate her life. I actually found myself speaking to two people yesterday um, about her life and about her accomplishments and being able to smile, even though there was that sadness inside still, but I felt that it was diminishing. I, I feel that. And I know um, grief, it has, um, it's something you have to reckon with. Every one of us, we all are going to go through it. <laughs> um, and I was just thinking about this. Grief is a byproduct of a of love it's a byproduct of that's that love that you have in your heart for someone um it's inevitable it's unintended but it, it is an outcome of love of a deep-seated of love and you and you can't get around it you know if you love someone then you will grieve their loss um and the only way the only cure for for grief is to allow yourself to grieve. There's no sweeping it under the rug. Yeah, and uh, there are things that keep Anna's memory alive. I have her picture on my cell phone mm -hmm. at, right at the uh, desktop. And uh, also I, I'm still using her backpack every day to go to work and wherever else I need. I have little scissors that were hers when she was studying nursing. Uh, so there's things that can keep the memory alive and it's mm. Uh, mm. yeah it's important yeah i uh think that the advice you guys gave about um what not to do and and the most important parts of the grieving process not to hinder the process and realizing that it's okay to to do it in however way that you want to do it and however you feel is right yeah. for you and then uh to keep your community close and the support around and, uh, mm -hmm. and having that close support makes me think of another uh, another piece of advice that I want to pick your guys' brain about before we close our conversation today. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, having been together now for <laughs> how long? 40, 40 years. 40 years. Big 4-0. Um, Working on 41. There's a couple ways I could ask this, but I basically want to know uh, 
being with someone for that long and uh, for many more years following that, what are some things you've had to sacrifice uh, to be strong with one another? And, and what, what I would say is your biggest advice to people getting into relationships or people getting married and starting that journey together? Because, you know, this is sets and reps and it's all about the time and effort that you need to focus on yourself, focus on a project, a passion. And a lot of times, if that's not by yourself, that can be with a partner. So yeah. What's your thoughts on that? I I have some, some right off the bat thoughts that come to mind. So um, I think that as in a a marriage and being successful, um, I think the one thing is you, there's this verse that I, I think of all the time and it's just make, make room for one another's faults. So to me, that says you go into a relationship, you know that you have your own set of faults and things that you bring to the relationship that will need to be um, forgiven or will need to, um, you have to make room for them because we're not perfect individuals and nor will we ever be. So you make room for one another and you don't, um, you are, you, you don't become critical. You have to become forgiving in, in those things that you, even the things that you don't understand or that have been offensive, you have to make it a point to be forgiving. Um, and then there's another verse that says, um, be tenderhearted, uh, forgiving each other, uh, forbearing with, yeah, just as God in Christ has forgiven, forgiven you. So be tenderhearted and forgiving. So you recognize uh, the grace that has been given to you and you um, generously give that grace and that uh, mercy and treatment to the other person. And of course the golden rule, which will never become obsolete, which will never become irrelevant, do to others as you would have them do uh, to you, treat others as you would want. And I think that that's a very good um you know, uh, philosophy to keep. Mm. And, um, and I have to say this, something that, that Ken has always been for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the kind of, this is, this is how I know he feels about me. I can come home from having the worst day out there and kind of been beaten down by maybe uh, some things that, that happened, circumstances. Oh, maybe, you know, somebody, gave me an unkind gesture on the road or what have you. I could just have had a a collection of, of negative things and I can come home to this man Mm. and he'll smile at me and say, hi, honey, how are you? And I just know that he's there for me. He's that support. Mm. It's you, you can come home to, and you know, to this person that is very, supportive and loving and and you're in his favor and knowing that is huge and that's a gift from god too i acknowledge him as a gift from god so you know i mean i made the right choice i guess that's that's the foundation you got it really you know so i made the right choice good right on so I That's got something down. to say. <laughs> I'm ready. 
So, uh, you know, we've been married 40 years and uh, there have been a lot of ups during that 40 years and there have been a lot of downs and that affects not only you as individuals, but it also, it affects the marriage relationship. But really the marriage relationship is all about love. And we find after 40 years, and in a sense, you really find right off the bat, but love has to be practically worked out. Mm. Love gets practically challenged mm. and it's a lot more than an infatuation. Love is, uh, the dynamics is, is very deep uh, love is very practical and love takes a lot of work. I have uh, realized that we have come to care for each other very deeply and we, it gives new meaning to what friendship is all about. And also there are many challenges over the 40 years. Yeah, uh, sure. Like when our daughter passed away was a challenge and uh, it really hurt deeply and it affects the relationship. But if you don't keep loving each other, uh, you know, there are stories of relationships just falling apart, people getting a divorce, uh, love deteriorating. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we, by God's grace, have not allowed that to happen. Uh, getting older together is also a challenge. Health mm -hmm. issues. Health, <laughs> yep. Health and uh, communication when you're older is different <laughs> and more challenging because communication is being able to listen and also understand what the and to hold what the individual is trying to uh, to hold it in common really which is what communication uh, is is all about so I am uh, we are very blessed and I am very blessed uh, because not sure I'll speak for myself uh, would be able to to go on very well uh, without you. Aww. So here's a kiss to seal with a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Nice first kiss on sets and reps the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nice, just as good as it was forty years ago. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, for today for this conversation great to be able to sit down with you guys and get this get this going you know without without any notes just kind of talking to you guys about what i wanted to uh hear and learn from you i think it's a it's a good and uh genuine opinion and genuine point of view that you guys have had on everything that we've gone through um and everything that we are going to go through and just kind of you guys even gave us some practical um, bits of information that myself and my listeners can continue to keep in mind <clears throat> on this, uh, on this journey called life. So thank you. Uh, I'll contrary. Thank you. We are so honored to be on your sets and reps podcast. And uh, one thing I'd like to say is that uh, you are a tremendous son Yes. And that uh, both of us are very, very, very proud of you mm -hmm. uh, for your growth and for your development. And I did, thank you. I did not we pay them to say that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, I have learned a lot from you guys and 
I could have, I could spend more time talking about what I've learned and what I've been able to take with me, but um, find myself missing you guys a lot and uh, your guidance as I as I continue the adult life here and step into my role as a man and who I want to be. So um, just thank you for what you've imprinted on my brain and what you've uh, you know things I continue to think about. So. Yes, sir. Thank you. Good. You're very welcome. All Love right. Love you. Love you too.